Welcome to the Bulldog Mindset Podcast, where you learn how to be a man, build financial independence, get the physique you want, and get the girls you want every single day. Join us on the YouTube channel by searching for Bulldog Mindset, and don't forget to take the Bulldog Quiz at bulldogmindset.com slash pquiz. Once again, it's at bulldogmindset.com forward slash pquiz. What's up, Bulldogs? All right, I have a, uh, a special guest today. Uh, Stefan Arino, and hopefully, did I say that right? Stefan Arneo. You got Arneo. close, John. Okay, I got it pretty close. Stefan is is someone who uh, I'm really excited about because I I got his book, uh, Hard or Hard Times Create uh, Strong Men, and uh, a couple of people recommended this to me, and it's it's you know it's just one of those things that's right on. I think it's really in line with with the bulldog message, uh, with you know basically getting rid of this victim mindset. And so I really wanted to talk to him about, uh, about what he's doing. He's also a real estate investor, uh, very, very successful uh, teaching people how to invest in real estate and coaching them on, on real estate. And, you know, going from making, having 1200 bucks in his pocket to uh, becoming a millionaire in uh, in a span of less than five years. I uh, got an award from rich dad, uh, poor dad uh, foundation for, uh, for his achievements there. Just really, you know, the, the kind of man that I think that you guys would, would appreciate hearing from and, and has a lot of, of wisdom to, to speak to you. So uh, welcome. Thanks for having me, John. Tell me a little bit about your 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 background, kind of what, you know, who who is uh, Stefan? What are you doing here? Like, what is your purpose? What are you, what's your mission right now in life? Well, that's a good question, John. You know, I started, I was just a kid who was 16 years old, wanting to be a rock star. Mm. And uh, I, I had a rock band. I told my mom, I told my dad, I want to be a rock star. They said, well, you better go to university then, which has nothing to do with being a rock star. And I went and uh, dropped out of the music school. I dropped out of business. I dropped out of computer science. I finished my degree with a major in English and minor in music because I took two poetry classes. And after school, I ended up making $10 an hour in 2008 in a call center in the middle of the night selling hotel rooms to rich people who happened to own real estate, most of them. You've talked to these people about what they did, a lot of them owned real estate. Yep. And I realized that, you know, my rock band started to fall apart. I had a bunch of guys who were into drugs and partying and they weren't taking it seriously, but I was, and I burned out and I lay on the couch for a couple months. And then next thing you know, I read this little book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. And I started saving up 70% of my income. I was making 10 grand a year as a guitar teacher, saved up 70% of that started buying real estate seminars and uh, you know, things started to take off when I hired my first real estate coach and I did one real estate deal my first year. I did one deal my second year. I got out of the rat race where my passive income was bigger than my expenses on that second deal. The next year I did 12 deals. Next year I did 24 deals. Next year I did 30 deals. Next year I did, I got up to 50 deals a year. Wow. And then I started, uh, I started winning awards. I was featured in magazines. I wrote a little book called Money People Deal. And then people came to me saying, Stefan, will you coach me? Will you teach me? I said, no, I don't want to. But they kept asking. And now I have an international coaching company and uh, very, very successful students. Some of my students are making a million dollars take home a year. Some of my students are doing 30 houses a year as flips. Some of my students are doing luxury homes. Some of my students are buying multifamily, you know, 30, 40, 50 units. So you know, I, I just, I came to this place and now with the book, Hard Times Create Strong Men, never planned on writing a men's book, right. but I had these young men who were in my space and whining at me. You're mean. I don't like you. This isn't my dream. This isn't what I want to do. These old 22 year old boys. Right. I went fasting in the jungle for 18 days, came back and these young boys were bitching at me. 
And I sat them down and had a how to be a man talk for three hours one day, three hours and another day. And I said, I never want to give this talk again. I'm going to write it down. 11 days later, had a 624-page book, Hard Times Create Strong Men. It's been a big hit. I never planned on writing a men's book, never planned on telling men to grow a pair of balls and grab onto them. But here we are. Wow. Okay. Well, a few things, interesting things about what you said there. I mean, one of them, I think, you know, st starting off is, is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's kind of an interesting book. It, it was one of the books that first also got me started in changing my, my thinking, really thinking about assets and liabilities. A lot of people are very critical of the book because it doesn't give concrete advice on how to actually execute this. You know, my take has always been, it's the thing that it changes your mindset, your view, and that's the value of it. What's your, what's your take on, on that? Well, for God's sakes, it's a $20 book, man. What do you expect? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I, I got a $20,000 course. We'll get you the nuts and bolts, but it's going to take three months. It's going to take a lot of work. And it's going to cost you more than 20 bucks. So yeah. I don't know why people, you know, people criticize anything, man. And yeah. uh, for $20, I think Robert has the magic of changing 40 million lives with that book. Mm -hmm. and uh it's incredible that he can do that for twenty dollars you know like i said i got a twenty thousand dollar program i got a seventy thousand dollar program we'll change your mindset but and we'll show you the, the how-to nuts and bolts but uh it's just it can't be contained in 150 pages or whatever so i think i think rich dad poor dad is incredible and i don't know if anybody can really criticize it because it certainly whetted my appetite yeah and it got me interested in getting rich again after my rock band fell. Cause I thought having a rock band was the only way to be rich. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's, that's good. I, I agree with you. That's, it's very true. And yeah, it, it's funny because it, you know, so many people criticize it, but it's, it is, it is the, the catalyst again, so many people I've talked to myself included that actually made me start changing the way I thought about things. I remember after reading that book, I was like, well, what is an asset? And uh, I ended up buying 20 gumball machines <laughs> and I right. found out that like that, yeah, it worked, but it wasn't quite exactly at that level. And then that's when I really started to get into real estate. Cause just like you, I said, well, shit, how do you actually get rich? I don't, I don't know. Like I was, I was making a lot of money as a software developer, like over $150,000 a year. And I said, well, you know what? I, it doesn't matter if I save every penny of this, I'm still not going to get rich for at least 10 years. And that's not even rich. So yeah, not with fiat currency. They keep printing that motherfucking currency. So if you exactly. try to save that, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. And then now I, I thought it was also interesting that you said that you, you know, you started off with, uh, and you, and you got, uh, you bought all these seminars and then you, you got a coach and, I think it's kind of interesting. I'd like to get your take on that as well, because a lot of people are very hesitant. They're like, Oh, you know, they don't want to spend money. They want to invest in themselves. Right. And, you know, I, I buy a lot of digital products. I go to a lot of seminars I, you know, some of the stuff is good. Some of it's bad, but you know, to me, it's, it's a necessary evil. You got to go through all of that stuff. If, if you want to continue to grow and, and learn, especially having a mentor, I think that the coaching is, is extremely, do you feel how much do you feel like the coaching impacted your, your growth trajectory? Well, coaching is everything, John. I mean, I, hmm. I went to the $30,000 of seminars. I went to the $1,500 seminar. I went to the $500 seminar. I went to all the seminars. I read all the books. I read 50 books, 100 books, whatever it was at the beginning, like a huge amount of books. Exactly. And I could not execute on it until I had someone calling me every week and holding me mm -hmm. accountable. Yeah. And that's when I, it's just like a gym. 
You buy a gym membership, but you never go. When there's a trainer going, hey, Stefan, come get out of bed. Where were you yesterday? I didn't see you. Okay, where's your reps at? Where's your numbers at? Now suddenly you're getting fit. Exactly. So it's the same thing with a personal trainer. A personal trainer probably costs as much as the gym membership for like two sessions or four sessions or something. The, the trainer costs a lot more. But here's the thing. You're going to get the results. So you know, coaches and mentors, I want to make a distinguish, uh, distinguishment there. The coach is a paid person. He's not your friend. Right. He's there to kick your ass. The mentor is somebody who's unpaid and they've been there. And you got to attract a mentor. Like right. I'm a mentor for some people, but you know what? Like it's, it's hard to get my time. You have to attract the mentor where the mentor is like, Hey, look at this young kid. I want to mentor him. I got a guy who, uh, he's worth $140 million. He funds some of my deals. He mentors me sometimes yep. and he mentors me for free. But guess what? I've, I've worked with this guy for three years now. I've made him a couple hundred grand and you know, he's like almost, you know, mid 60s, 70 years old. And he'll, sit me down and give me a good mentoring every now and then. But you have to attract that. A coach, you go and hire and you pay and it's a formal relationship. I think people get those two things mixed up. You can't buy 100%. mentoring. It's not yeah. a thing to buy. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. I do I do some coaching and I have coaches as well and and it's a it's a paid thing. It's you're you're paying for someone's time. It also makes you think about how to utilize that time the best as possible because you're paying for that that time as opposed to you know plus plus i think there's also like you said there's a little bit of a different relationship the coach is there to kick your ass right yeah <laughs> it, it's if you're going to pay someone and you know you want them to tell you it doesn't it's not about being friends it's about getting to the truth of the situation so cool so um so yeah so so then you start out and you bought uh you did uh one deal and then two deals and then and then kept on kept on going with the deals. What kind of deals were you doing? Like starting out, did you do kind of fix and flips? Were you doing long-term holds? I mean, obviously if you didn't have much money to get started, you, you probably had to do some flips in order to, to get, uh, to get going there. But uh, just curious to, you know what I did, I did two buy and holds at the beginning. Okay. Um, I put $1,200 down a little buy and hold with five guys. And my second deal, was like a buy, fix, refinance, rent. Okay. And that one got me out of the rat race, actually. That one made $2,000 of cash for a month, and I needed two grand to live. So it pretty much got yeah. me out on the second deal. And you know what's funny about that deal is if I had asked for 10 grand a month, I would have produced it. I would have found a way to make 10 grand a month, but I was only thinking about 2,000 bucks. So that's all right. I did. And then I got into joint venturing, and I would get some buy and holds with partners. I did about a dozen of those started doing some wholesaling. And then when I got my coach, I started hardcore flipping. Yeah. And then I started flipping like 24 houses, 30 houses. I started flip, 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 retail flip. And then, and then, you know, got into like flipping and wholesaling again. That was like 50 deals. And then now I'm just like exclusively buy and hold. Like I don't have yeah. time. I don't have time to go out and make 10 grand on a flip anymore. Exactly. I have to do, you know, I just did a buy and hold here. Um, in Winnipeg, average home here is about 300 grand. I should have $600,000 triplex. I'm, I just brought into my portfolio. Uh, I'm sitting in a million dollar mansion I just bought. That's a, we're putting some renovations into that. It's going to be 11 bedroom, six bathroom, three kitchens. And I'm oh, wow. treating it kind of like a trading facility for my coaching company. Yeah. So there's all these different things going on. But I also got an $800,000 fourplex I'm building right now. So I'm doing deals where it's like, you know, I want to swing around a million bucks at a time now. 
yeah. instead of like going to Ohio and buying $120,000 homes or some bullshit like that. I don't have time for that. Yeah. Give me, give me a million dollar property. Give me a 2 million, give me a 5 million. I'm starting to think a little bigger with that. And you know, I went out and raised money, John, I was very good at raising money and I raised 5 million bucks when I was mm-hmm. about 26 years old. And I used 2 million for flipping three of it, 3 million of it went away because I couldn't deploy it. And I should have went, taken that 5 million and bought 25 million of apartments, yeah. Yeah. but I wasn't smart enough. Dude. I know. I know. My, my thinking yep. wasn't there. I didn't have the right coach who said, Hey, Stefan, let's put this down on a $25 million deal. Yep. I just was not, I was not putting my brain where it needed to go. I was putting my brain into 10 grand, make 10 grand, make 10 grand. I should have put it into a $25 million deal, taken a 1% developer fee. Yep. And then, you know, fuck the 10 grand houses, but I wasn't smart enough. I didn't have the right people in my corner at that point. I had the small thinking guys. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think, I think part of it too, is that, that you just, it, it's almost like you can't even see that far, right? It, it's like, you've got to kind of go through this process of doing these deals, some of the smaller deals to understand what's possible to even have the, it's, it's just not even your purview to, to see that. And, you know, it's kind of funny because I came to the same conclusion because I bought in early in my real estate career, I was buying houses, $60,000, $100,000, you know, all these little houses. And I ended up with this portfolio of like all these little houses that I just now in the last couple of years started 1031 exchanging all those properties into bigger. Now I'm, I'm only inter- interested in buying things around a million dollars. I just bought like a million dollar commercial space and I'm going to keep on doing that because it's like you said, the bigger, I wish I would have known it earlier because I would have just bought big deals because that's where you make the the real money. And then also the, just the, the, the hassle, right? The maintenance, this, this aggregate, uh, you know, overhead of all these little tiny deals and then trying to liquidate them when you want to, when you need to, it's just, it's just too much. Well, here's something I learned, John, and this is, this is the magic of real estate. You know, there's six ways to make money with, with passive real estate. There's cash flow appreciation, depreciation, leverage, equity on day one, and I think mortgage pay down. Mm-hmm. So there's six yeah. ways to make money. And people always talk about cash flow. I love cash flow. It's so sexy. I like mortgage pay down mm-hmm. because every yeah. month you're guaranteed this amount of equity. Guaranteed, guaranteed, guaranteed. And something I realized was like, hey man, my first year on my six hundred thousand dollar triplex is gonna make me fifteen grand of pay down. Right. Well that's better than owning a motherfucking home in Ohio for twenty grand. Sure, you could own a home for twenty grand in Ohio, but this thing's building a home in Ohio every every year. Oh yeah. So with that pay down, I just want to get as much debt as possible, as young as possible. Yep. And you know, responsible assets. I've got more into good land with an okay building on it, a good land or the good building, because the good land is always full. It's always rented. The yep. shitty land is not rented. So. I'm picking, I'm picking better neighborhoods. I like to invest in like this little triangle on my map. And if it's in the triangle and has good land and I can get a big, big ass mortgage on it, that's what I want. And I want that mortgage to pay down. So when I'm 50, 60, 70 years old, I got all this paid off property or, you know, maybe I've refinanced a couple of times and it's a great asset base. Cause I think that's something people don't think about is building an asset base 100%. and that asset base, you know, my second deal that I bought for 150 grand there, Today's worth six fifty. I still own it. Yeah. Yep. So you know, it's already bought me another property. I paid out my partner who helped me get in the property. So I paid out my partner. I bought another property. It's still cash flowing, baby. I love it. 
Yeah. No, yeah. It, I 100% agree with you. It's, and, it, you know, and the other thing about being, you know, leveraged, highly leveraged with that, which, you know, assuming that you can float the deal, right? I mean, I'm not suggesting people just go ridiculous leverage, but is the depreciation aspect of it. Because when you get to a point, I mean, you look at, I, I think, I think this is my, I could be wrong here, but I think the reason why Trump won't release his tax returns is because he's got so much freaking depreciation there that he's probably has a, a net federal tax of zero, even though he's making millions of dollars. That would be my guess because that's, that's the, the smart thing to do if you own a lot of real estate is to highly leverage it to the point where your depreciation that you have on it uh, basically offsets all of your, your, your standard income and then you never have to pay federal taxes. But yeah, well, you know, the other thing with Trump is he's a legit billionaire who became a legit billionaire. I think they should talk to Hillary Clinton and say, hey, Hillary, how did you become worth right. $400 million working in office? Let's look at your tax returns. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so that's uh, yeah, it's uh, I think that's it's key, though. It just a, a great strategy overall is to to to, to yeah, you know, it's, it's money you put in the bank, the bank of the property that it's um yeah it's it's highly highly valuable it's, it's funny because i think you know I, I have this argument with people all the time about real estate investing and they're like oh s p 500 index fund i get a seven or eight percent return and it's just like they don't understand all the other ways that you make money from besides cash flow right the depreciation like you said the the equity you know the pay down all of these things where you're actually looking at most of the time like 20 25 percent return on investment in in most real estate deals when you look at the IRR at the end of that of that deal, but it's uh, yeah. So it's it's kind of hard to explain to to be well. How do you tackle this? Like, how do you what do you do when people say, "Hey, S and P five hundred seven and a half percent. Why would I buy a, uh, a a real estate property with a cap rate of six or seven percent?" Well, you got the mortgage paydown, dude. I mean, yeah. mortgage paydown. You got the appreciation. You got leverage. You're investing five dollars for every one dollar in the S and P. Like, I dude, I don't even know how people how people retire if they don't have real estate. It just, I, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't make, it makes zero sense to me. Like if you're going to have a stock portfolio and sell some percentage or whatever, that seems retarded compared to owning something that literally pays you every month. You know, I got, I write books. I get book royalties. Now I just got a, I got a 10,000 royalty check the other day. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like I almost, almost fell off my chair because usually my <laughs> book royalties aren't that good, but you know, book royalties, that's the, that's royalties. Passive income, interest on loans. There's lots of ways to make passive income, but real estate is just so much better than most of them, especially, dude, I mean, like, you know, I just, I, I invest solely for pay down, dude. I just want yep. the mortgage pay down, the cash flow. I don't plan on touching because I know that I shouldn't mess with it. I should just bank it up, so yep. bank up the cash flow because there's always problems. And then just let that mortgage pay down. And, you know, 10 years later, you look at yourself and you go, holy crap, I'm rich all of exactly. a sudden because this mortgage paid down, this thing appreciated. I mean, when the liabilities go down and the assets go up and you're banking cash, I don't see how you can lose with that. Yeah, plus the rents go up too. And then you're like, shit, it's like, it just gets better and better. But Yeah, dude, when you own a property for 10 years and you get to that 10 year mark, which I yeah. just got to now, I've been in the, the game for 10 years. Okay. It gets really nice. It gets oh, yeah. really nice to own stuff because you're paid down, your building's cash flow and the ratios are all good all of a sudden. And it takes, it does take 10 years to get there. And then you, know, yeah. you could refi and buy another two more properties or whatever. Your baby cow has two more cows. Yep, and that's, exactly. that's magical, man. Yeah. I bought, I have some properties that I held from, 
uh, from 20 years ago, around 20, 20, 18 to 20 years ago. And it's amazing. Look at those properties now, you know, a property that was $60,000 now worth almost $200,000 and that rented for $500 a month now renting at $1,300 a month. It's just like, it's insane, right? It's like, you know, but you have to have, it's, it's a long-term play. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, everything that I buy in real estate, I'm looking at 15 years minimum down the road. That's, that's where, but people get impatient. And I think that's why they, they want to make the fast money. And that's, you know, there's ways to make fast money, but then the long run, the way to build wealth is, is, is through that, through the, the long, long-term appreciation and uh, really, it really is a 10 year game, man. Buy and hold is 10 years. Flipping yep. is six to nine months. Rent yep. own is three years. And those are the time frames. Like if you want to play three years, you play rent own. You want to play six months, you play uh, flipping. If you want to play wholesaling, that's 30 days. Yep. If you want to play, you know, buy and hold. It's a 10 year deal, dude. That's why you want to have that good land. Now, I think there's another interesting thing that you said about your story, which is the, the fact that, which is, I think, pretty amazing to a lot of people is that you got out of the rat race on your second deal. And the reason for it was because you only had expenses of $2,000 a month, you could live off of $2,000 a month. And this is one thing, you know, I, I've been trying to uh, really reinforce into especially the young people in my audience trying to tell them, hey, guys, if you want to become free, financially free, the easiest way to do it is to have your expenses be as little as possible. If you can live off a very small amount, you, you, can, you never have to work a corporate job. You can just build some passive income. It's easy for anyone to make $2,000 a month worth of passive income, even if it's not real estate. It's just so, so fucking easy to do within a year time frame. And then you never have to work for anyone again. You're, you're just, you're, you're free. You know, what, what do you think, what kind of advice would you give to, to people who are trying to get out of the rat race because I mean, that's probably the most popular question I get is like, how do I become financially free? How do I not have to work for someone else? So the question is, how do I get out of the rat race and be right. financially free? Yeah. Well, I, I think at the beginning, you really want to do a lot of saving and lowering of your expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's a starter thing. And that's only going to get you so far. Right. Like I lowered my expenses. I was making a thousand bucks a month as a guitar teacher. I had $300 of expenses, 350 or something like that. And I was saving, you know, 70% of my income. So yeah, that's, that's only going to get you so far. You can only get so cheap until you're like just not even functioning. Right. You're riding the bus. You got no cell phone, stuff like that. And then, and then at some point, at some point, you know, you got to make a move and that move could be, you know, nowadays, e-commerce is amazing. Yeah. Nowadays, um, you can make content on YouTube. Some guys are making 2000 bucks a month on YouTube content. Yeah. Nowadays, you can make an app. Nowadays, there's so many more opportunities now. Real estate is, I encourage people to get real estate because it's never going away. It's always good. It always will be good. Um, but there's so many new opportunities. Like I got a, a guy who does my content, Luke. The kid sold. $700,000 of headphones on e-commerce within two years. Yeah. Wow. So like that's that guy, he's got a little company. That's super cool. And that opportunity wasn't around in 2008 when, when I was starting e-commerce wasn't really a thing. People weren't really buying it. If you were doing e-commerce in 2008, it wasn't like a mainstream thing. Nowadays that's there. So you know, I think you got to pick what your expenses are. Like if I was to do it today, I'd maybe want 10 or 20 grand a month passive income. Right. And yeah. I would 
go find an asset that could do that. And then I'd find a way to get that. So for me, I partnered up. I did a joint venture with some people who had some money and that ended up getting me the asset. They made a return. I got the asset. And so that's a good exercise to do at any point in your life. How much money do you need? Can you partner up? Can you joint venture? What can you do to make that passive income reality? Yeah. Yep. Yep. True. Okay. Uh, let, let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about, uh, about the book. I thought that was kind of interesting with the uh, going on the fast and then coming back and then, you know, everyone, everyone in the office is not working and, and, uh, and they're whining about you being mean. So, uh, so what, you know, I mean, obviously you, you had this mindset before that happened, right? Otherwise you wouldn't have been able to, to, uh, teach them and, and, and write this book. So what developed in you that mindset? Because I mean, we live in a society today where men are emasculated. Hey, Bulldogs, just want to take a moment and tell you to take the Bulldog quiz to see what your Bulldog score is. Go to bulldogmindset.com forward slash P quiz to find out your score. Also, once you take the quiz, I'll send you three of my best videos for free on how to raise your score. You don't want to miss this, so make sure you head to bulldogmindset.com forward slash P Q U I Z right now and take it. Where, you know, social justice warriors and equity and all these and you know this false sense of diversity really you know kind of a, a marxist uh, ideology is is being preached how do you avoid that and grow up and survive and 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 retain your manhood to, so to speak well I, th I think that's a really tough question with uh, what i noticed john was that the fathers are absent from society mm -hmm. so the young boys who were saying that bullshit to me you're mean i don't like you this isn't my dream they didn't have fathers. So they're boys with daddy's issues, which is like girls with daddy's issues. Now, you know, the girls with daddy's issues, they got tongue rings. They're out at the bar grinding up on each other, tattoos everywhere. Those are daddy's issues, girls, right? Yeah. Daddy's issues, boys, they don't have a healthy relationship with work. So part of the problem is, you know, we've got a generation of men raised by women, mm -hmm. their mothers raised them. They never had a father at school. They had their female teachers. So they never got masculine energy they never right. got masculine you know they didn't go down to a boxing gym and learn that they sucked and get their faces punched in and learn discipline and respect right you know they they got you know my mother put me in motherfucking dance lessons and piano and i wanted karate and i wanted to play the drums right. so i yeah. got all this bullshit that i never wanted because i had my feminine mother raising me and i had an incompetent father so that's it. on the, the micro level in the home. That's, that's where it begins is not having dads. And when you zoom out and you take that and multiply it by 300 million people, you end up with, uh, you know, Aristotle's got a great, great quote. It's masculine republics give way to feminine democracies mm -hmm. and feminine democracies give way to tyranny. Yeah. So where we're going here is we keep giving away our power. Oh, daddy, daddy, look after me. Daddy, daddy, look after me. Daddy, government, look after me. Dad, like, you know, you look at Obama. That was a pathetic time in history. They had like 50 million people on food stamps. Daddy, daddy, look after me. And then the masculine energy, Donald Trump comes into office and he's like, we're going to cut down the food stamps. We're going to get people working again. And people are resisting that masculine mm -hmm. energy. They're like, oh my God, yeah. this guy's a horrible man. It's like, no, he's your dad and daddy's here to clean house. So we've got this like really unhealthy relationship with masculine energy, dude. And I never 
planned on making a book about masculinity. Never planned on. I got I got the Oracle, the Queen, the Princess, and the Whore, the sequel for women, the hard times for women coming out. And I'm like, oh, why nice. the fuck have I written two books on gender <laughs> studies? I'm like, right. what the fuck is wrong with me? What's wrong with the world? But this is what people need right now. They need the 100%. old school gender studies. Hey, this is how to be a woman. This is how mm-hmm. to be a man. This is what a man does. This is what a man did. And you got to go do that because we're, we have no men now. The men are gone. Yep. And it's crazy because like people aren't even getting married anymore. I wrote about this in the Oracle. 3% of men can support families. Wow. 3%. Those are the guys making over a hundred grand a year. What does it cost to run a family? Well, a kid's going to cost you 200 grand per kid. That's like 36 bucks a day. So if you want to be a stay at home mom and you're going to cook every meal and you're going to have a budget and all this, you need a guy making hundred grand. Well, that's a top 3% man. So that means 97% of the men can't support you as a mom. And that means you're going to be working unless you get the top 3%. So, you know, we got this crazy world where there's marriages not even happening anymore because the men are too weak to support a marriage. The women are still there. They're, they're fine. Well, being a woman is being a woman by default. They don't have to do anything. Exactly. exactly. They just get that. Men, we got to go work out. Dude, you yeah. got some arms. You worked out for those arms. Dude, you got yeah. some money. You worked out for that money. You didn't wake up with beautiful tits and a vagina and you were just handed womanhood. Right. You had to go work on that shit for like 10 years probably. Yeah, men right? are made, women are born. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, dude, dude. So, you know, this is a, we're in this game where they're not making men anymore. And yeah. because they're not making men, the women are becoming men. And now it's very tough for men yeah. like me or you to find a woman that we want. And it's tough for the women to find a man who can support them because it's only this 3%. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. This is, this is, uh, you know, it's not, a, it's not a popular message today. Well, you know, with, with mainstream society, right? But but it's such a such a true message because, you know, it's there's agenda being pushed to try and and make everyone not just equal but the same, which is uh, such a horrible horrible thing uh, for which is no good for for anyone. But how did now? How did you like? You said that you're. I mean, you didn't come from the ideal family situation for developing this masculine mindset where did this come from did this i know you're you seem to be pretty well read just from reading your book you referenced many books many great books uh on masculine uh jack donovan's book the way of man uh uh, one of my favorite books of all time david data's uh, the way of the superior man and uh so where did you gain this, this kind of insight from or what what experience brought you to to realize this yeah, well, for me, dude, I'm, I am hard times create strong men. My dad was incompetent. So I yeah. had hard times. My parents got divorced. Mm. Um, you know, I was living in my mom's house. I was paying a $300 rent. I had a shitty degree. I was making $10 an hour. And I, I had to go around the world into debt, coaching and mentoring with people. Um, I had to read everything I could grab my hands on. And I had to piece together what the fuck a man was. Because I didn't have the examples. I didn't have, my dad was not a good example. My dad was an example of what not to do. So I did the opposite of what my dad did. I see. And, and uh, that was, you know, that's, I'm a hard times guy now. And my dad was a good times create weak men kind of guy. He was a, you know, he was a a upper middle-class rich kid. And you know, it's funny. My mom was kind of like that too. She was a well-to-do kid. These two rich kids got together and, 
they created uh, good times, created weak men, and then weak men created hard times. And now I'm the hard times guy. So I had to just go out there and, and start finding the successful examples mm-hmm. of what a man looked like. And I went from the university, which was teaching communism, atheism, and feminism. Yeah. And I had to go, I tried that in the world. That's what the Oracle is about. The women one is I tried that. I became broke. I became sick. I became yeah. fucked up. I became unhappy. And I traded communism, feminism, atheism for the traditional capitalism, free market, marriage, and Judeo-Christian values. And those three things are opposites, dude. Like the things that built oh, yeah. the West, that built America was yeah. Christianity. It was marriage and free market capitalism. And right now in the universities, they're teaching people communism, feminism, atheism. And those three things will ruin this world. We're going we're gonna to turn mm-hmm. into a really fucked up, upside down, ass backwards place, which we already are. And uh, we could even end up with a civil war pretty soon because these ideas, communism, feminism, atheism, those are dangerous motherfucking ideas. And in the 60s, if you were a communist, feminist, atheist, they would put you in jail. They'd say you're oh, yeah. a commie bastard and put you in jail because they knew that was subversive. But today the subversion's taken over mm-hmm. and we can't even find American values. We can't find Western values. And that's sad because the thing that built our countries to be in great countries has been kicked down. And if you are trying to build it back up, they kick you down too. So it's pretty scary right now to be a man. It's scary to be a guy trying to be prosperous and trying to have a family and trying to make money. That's not allowed anymore, dude. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just saying, you know, with the with what's happened with, with me recently, too, is that you do not have freedom of speech in this country unless you also have financial freedom. Those two things are tied now because there's a whole cancel culture. There's a whole... You know, people say things that that we don't like, that the the mass doesn't like on social media, witch hunt, and they destroy their careers, reputations, just on accusations, accusations of racism and sexism are just thrown around uh, very lightly. You know, I, I recently had a, a run in on social media where I I you know I, one of my companies in the tech industry, besides Bulldog Mindset, I have Simple Programmer, and that industry is completely over overrun by social justice warriors and and uh trying to push a diversity movement but i i said had the gall if you can imagine to tell a black woman in tech to shut her mouth and that was it lost all uh companies uh removed all my courses from their platform uh my book was unpublished by the publisher in the tech industry all kinds of you know fallout from that but i'm going to continue fighting but uh, but you're but these are the those exact ideas like you're talking about those communist ideas uh you know it was kind of interesting coming into that debate or into that scene to the first time i ever heard the word racism redefined as something that only white people do that racism requires you to be white in order to be racist which you know opens the, the door to make all kinds of racist statements as long as you're not white as long as you're not white so uh, real, real interesting just to see how this has it. You're, you're right. It's, 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 it started at the institu- the educational institutions and it is, it's a, it's a plague, it's a cancer and it's spreading. And uh, I, I don't know if there's a cure for it, honestly, at this, at this, I think it takes several generations of re-education. You know, I, I think, you know, there's some, some people that say uh, that the KGB initially 
kind of plan this out you know th this whole idea of of planting you know it takes three generations to do it and and you you basically indoctrinate uh through the education system and and you're you know it becomes something that you can't fight so because it's subversion. well now, here's what's here's what's going to happen john you're right it is subversion it is kgb it is three generations um what is going to happen though is we're going to hit hard times in 2020 mm -hmm. yep. hard times are coming and here's what happens during hard times the men have to become men the women have to become women. When survival is challenged, the genders become themselves. The men mm -hmm. become men, the women become women, and families will be formed. You know, a great example is Poland. You go look at Poland, and they had the Germans come in and smash the shit out of them in World War II. Right. And then after that, they had communism for like 80 years or whatever it was, right? Some long-ass time they had communism. It wasn't 80 years. It was shorter. But they had the Cold War communism. And now you go over there and, you know, they, they banded together around religion. They're very religious, mm -hmm. very Christian country. Um, the family got together. The families banded together. The men became men. The women became women. And those basic fundamental things of families, marriages, men, women, religion is what made them survive that. And they're now a more free growing country because they went through the scourge of communism. They went through the the brutal time of Nazism, right? They went through all that and the families kept them together. The families came back together. Like when things get hard, families come back. Yeah. When things get hard, the women become women, the men become men. So that's where this, that's where this is going is we're going to have a hard time in America and it's going to go back to the way it should have been because it's a cycle. We're just at the end of the cycle and it's going to flip mm -hmm. around. Or the other option is we sell enough books, a hard times create strong men to wake it up, wake up to enough wait, guys, yeah. but I don't think we can do it in time, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you know, I've, I've been debating this as well. It's like, uh, my, then my analogy is that, that, you know, I'm not trying to save the world. What I'm trying to do is I've got a, I've got a spaceship that is, uh, that is leaving earth and I'm going to take as many people with, with me as possible. Uh, you know, save, save who, who you can, because I, I don't think we're going to, I think it's too late. I think you're right. I think the cycle is going to uh, to happen, and it's going to be perhaps a long cycle. But uh, at least we can awaken some some men to their their calling in in the meantime uh, during these these hard times that are. That yeah, are I think I think John, it's an individual thing. It's like you mm -hmm. as an individual can do something. Me as an individual can do something. And when you do something on an individual level, that's why I'm writing books because books change the world. Guns yep. change the world. Well. Guess what? I don't know if it's going to be a great idea for all us to grab guns right now. It might be, but right now we got to be on the book level and passing yeah. out books and getting guys to think different, getting guys to wake up. Hard times has been a crazy thing. Like I get so many long testimonials every day from guys. And I try to post them if, if they're good. And it literally, these guys need to wake up the mind shift, kind of like Rich Dad Poor Dad does for money. But right. this is for being a motherfucking man. These guys need a wake up call. Even the women, the women read it and they go, Oh my God, yeah. this guy in the book, I want this guy. Where's this guy? Well, you got to build him and it's going to take 10 years to build him and then right. you can have him. But these guys aren't just popping out of the, the grass or the trees or the womb. These guys got to be built in a hard times way. Yep. hundred percent. So, um, so, so some of the, what, what is some of the advice that you give in the book that you think is probably the most uh, potent to, to young men 
today that are sorry. And I guess maybe I could give you like a particular avatar, right? You know, the, which I've seen a lot is the the guy that he's got in his Twitter profile, his pronouns, and he says, "I'm a feminist ally." What do you tell that guy? Like, how how do you convince him that uh, no, you know, it's not the, the thing that you think you're doing that you think is good is is not the way that that you should be as a man. Well, I think the biggest thing for for a guy like that is you got to lead by example. And I think mm-hmm. men worship other men. Masculinity is mm-hmm. a religion, and when men see another man that they admire, they wish to become like him, and they'll ask, and they'll start reading the books. And a guy who's got Z and Zer and feminist ally and all this shit, I don't know if you can even save that guy. Yeah. But if that guy, you know, that guy maybe is negative about masculinity in general. But if, if a man sees an example of another man he wants to be like, that's where there can be a lot of change. And I think the number one thing for men is a man's purpose is his work. Mm-hmm. And if a man yes. is on purpose with his work, if he's doing his work, if he's doing well at his work if he's sweeping the floor great you know if he's if he's a great floor sweeper or a great gas pumper or a great burger flipper and he starts getting promoted and he starts getting you know in his work in his purpose that's where everything else is built off that yeah and you know for a woman her purpose is her family and that's that's a whole nother kettle of fish where where women aren't even having families now and they got the dog and they're unhappy with their situation they don't know why because they told them all this feminist bullshit with having a career and they don't really have a career. They have a job and they got this little dog. They're dressing up for Halloween instead of a baby. And they're wondering why they're sad. Well, yeah. guess what, ladies, you got to have a family. Well, this is where we got women off purpose and men off purpose. And everybody is kind of screwed up from that. So for the men, it's dude, you got to get on your work and you might not love your work, man, but guess what? Men have never loved their work in history. And if you love your work and if you do good at it, eventually you get the work you want to do, which is maybe doing the cool podcast or maybe it's writing the cool books. That's because I started out putting chips on shelves. I started out teaching guitar lessons. I started out selling hotel rooms in the middle of the night. And now I'm at a point where I get to do the work I want to do rather than the work that I started out with. Well, and you know, I think a good, you know, that's a really good point. And one, one thing I think people don't even realize about that is right. Because, you know, I don't know if you've gone through the same experience in life, but I remember sitting at a desk job and I remember thinking, Oh, wouldn't it be awesome if I could just write on this, my blog for my actual job or to make YouTube videos for my actual job or interview people. And I, I still wake up days now or, or writing a book, you know, and, and, and it's like, I know that I'm like, uh, I'm kind of living the dream life, but I still don't want to do the shit. Like, even though it's like the fantasy job, like, I mean, how hard is my fucking job now that I get to do all this kind of fun, cool stuff and no one can tell me what to do, but I still, I still don't like it. Like, you know, I mean, some of the times I do, but you know, I mean, it's still fucking hard work. It's, it's still, it's still not that you want to do it every day. Cause I, I think there's this fantasy that, Oh yeah. And if I get this, if I can do this thing, then I'll just be happy all the time. And I'll just love my work. And, and, you know, while you, while you do love your work, you also hate it. And, and that's just, it doesn't matter how, how great you're, I mean, even I'm sure like a, a porn, a porn star probably is like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't really feel like, like going in to work today. Right. You know? Yeah, dude, his dick doesn't want to get hard today or yeah, he's just, tired of getting his dick sucked for this day. And dude, it's true, man. I mean, you might love pizza, but if you try to eat pizza every day, after about three days, you're going to be tired of pizza. 
Exactly. You know, and and that's that's the truth. Like there is shitty days where I'm like, God damn, I hate being a real estate investor. God damn, I hate being a coach. God damn, I hate, you know, whatever other company, my social media company I'm doing. There is days where it sucks. And yeah. being a man is embracing those shitty days. And I got this shirt on, Respect the Grind, this name of my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You got to respect that. Respect the grind. Respect the process. Respect the 10 years and the 10,000 hours. Because it does mostly suck a lot of the time. Yeah. But that's what being a man's about. You're going to mostly deal with sucking. You know, you go to the gym, your arms hurt. You go to the bank, you don't have enough money. Like, you know, you want to go do some project, you don't have the money, you got to find some way. Like, dude, you're bumping up on the world all the time. And if you're not hurting, you're not bumping up enough. Exactly. Yep. 100% agree. So guys, make sure you check out uh, Hard Times Create Strong Men. Definitely, definitely a book that you guys are going to want to read for sure and share it, right? Because we want to spread this message and, uh, and leave a review on Amazon because, you know, reviews help for sure. So, yeah, um, yeah, they can get it hardtimestrongmen.com. That's hardtimestrongmen.com. Would love it if you guys picked it up for me direct. I actually get the money then. If you go to Amazon, I get like a buck. So, it's always uh, if you can get it direct, cool. If not, go on Amazon. We want to make this one a bestseller, John, because then we can actually get some change for these young guys and, and help them get on purpose. And if you're a woman, get it for your boyfriend, send him a message. Yeah. Tell them to stop playing video games and masturbating all day. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Yeah. You might want to, um, uh, you might want to, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is an off, off interview topic, but you might want to get more people buying on Amazon. So you get the rankings up on Amazon, even though you get, there's always that, you know, I, I sell one of my books that I sell on, you know, I, it's self-published, but I, I sell it on Amazon. I just put everything to Amazon. I, even I make less money. I'm like, well, let's get the ranking up because we'll get more exposure. But anyway, yep. something to think well, about. Well, dude, I mean, hey, I, I win either way because yeah. with my store, you got to pay for shipping. People hate paying for shipping. So then they go over to Amazon. So either way, man, plus Amazon undercuts the shit out of me, man. They're always messing with prices and stuff. So oh, yeah. Whether, yeah, whether it's Amazon or it's me, it's all good. I just, you know, I always appreciate people by direct, but hey, you know, it's cool, man. Go get the book share the word it's on audible too. people like listening to it because it is a pretty long book but yeah it's and you good. you recorded it yourself you did a good job on that i'm listening to audio version so yeah. yeah thanks i do the voices i do the girl voice i do the boy <laughs> voice i do the little bitch voice <laughs> yeah yeah i like the when you're like oh they're being mean you're so mean <laughs> you're mean yeah. you're mean yeah i do the 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 Karen voice. I want to speak to the manager. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. So yeah, so grab the book. And uh, before we wrap up here, uh, I did want to ask you about uh, what, well, well, two things. I want to ask you about Stoic philosophy, because it seems like you are pretty rooted in that. So let's cover that first. What's your, what's your take on that? Oh, Stoic philosophy is what the old Greeks and Romans used to uh, kind of have it was I don't know if it was a religion but it's certainly a philosophy and you know guys like Marcus Aurelius was a Stoic he ruled uh, Rome at the height of its empire you got guys like Seneca guys like Cicero um, you know they believed in in reason over pleasure mm -hmm. and and Stoicism is it's pretty manly it's something where you're really rational about things instead of always going with your feelings. And I was exposed to stoicism in university when I was taking some classics courses. So 
I was studying a little bit of classics. And, you know, if you're going to be in university these days, I recommend going and taking an etymology course, like a Latin and Greek root course. Take some classics. Take some, um, take some literature. Take some courses where you learn some history and stuff. Because yep. if you're going to be there, it's mostly a waste of time. But if you're going to learn history, that's going to be good for you one way or the other. And Stoicism, man, it, it always resonated with me. I thought, wow, this is really great. And that was the warrior kind of mentality. You know, the Spartans were Stoics. The Romans were Stoics, or they were born Stoics. And in, in hard times, I talk about Will Durant. I say a nation is born a Stoic and yeah. dies an Epicurean. And an Epicurean is someone who's addicted to pleasure. And that philosophy is all about pleasure and do what feels good. And that's kind of like masculine and feminine. You know, the Stoic, he's rational and he's doing what he's got to do. The feminine is Epicurean. You know, you see women all the time. Oh, I'm bored. Let's go do something else. So, you know, this is women, beautiful women can float to whatever they want in life because they're beautiful women. Men, we got to go dig, dig rocks in the mud or whatever the, the unfun job is. So I think stoicism is a huge thing. And uh, we got to bring that back because, you know, America, I think, was born as a stoic country. 1776, you're out there shooting red coats and bayonetting them to death. That's pretty stoic times compared to nowadays we're epicurean to the max you get the 32 ounce mountain dew the big yeah. bag of doritos you're watching your porno you're watching your whatever your boxing match on tv and you just sit there like a, a fat piece of shit so you can't even move that's epicurean yeah 100 percent. yeah i agree and then uh last thing uh what you know, I always like to ask about what books, you know, obviously hard times create strong men, but what other books would you recommend kind of top books that, uh, it seems like you've read a lot of books. So, well, I'm going to throw it down. Hard times create strong men, of course. Um, are you mean, are you meaning in life or are you meaning personally business? What do you mean there, John? Cause I, I have read a lot of books. Yeah. Let, let's go with, uh, let's go with life, life in general, right? Like what are the, the best kind of maybe top couple of books that you'd, you'd recommend? Yeah. So I just, I just read, um, Marcus Aurelius's meditations. I read that a couple of times. Yeah. That's a really sure. good one for like leadership and life. Um, another one that I actually really enjoyed a life book that was recent was Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah, that was a good, that, you know, what the opening story of that book was so good. I just, I just loved it. Um, another life book. I'm trying, you know what I'm trying to think. Um, there's a really good one called ethics, um, okay. by, by Ron Hubbard. He founded Scientology and I read that book in the summer. It's called ethics and goddamn. It's, you know what, it's, it's maybe not the most fun read because I think Hubbard was an engineer. So he kind of writes a book like a manual. Yeah. But it was a very good, it was a very good book. Like, you know, it talked about ethics. It talked about um, how we destroy ourselves if we do something against our own ethics. And I thought, mm -hmm. wow, man, that's human nature. Like, we are self-destructive, but why? And we are self-destructive when we do something against what we believe to be right. We will self-destruct to, to stop ourselves. I yeah. thought, man, this guy figured it out. Like whatever, whatever Hubbard was reading was right because that, that book on ethics um, really kicked my ass this summer. I thought it was really good. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. I, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned Elrond Hubbard because I read Dianetics and I got a lot of shit from it when I did a, a book review on YouTube because people are like, oh, what are you, a Scientologist now? Do you like this? This is obviously bullshit. He's, he's a Scientologist. And, uh, and I thought that that's, 
that's interesting because like just because someone has some beliefs that you might think are wacky doesn't mean that everything that they believe like Dynex was a good book he's he's a smart man he's got a lot of you know uh, a lot of pretty good wisdom in there but um but well, i think it's dude, dude i mean touch that yeah. dianetics dianetics is a, it's a good book it's a hard read too if that if dianetics was implemented in the world mm-hmm. we would have a vastly different world we would have no drugs mm-hmm. we wouldn't be drugging add kids at school um you'd have far less abuse in homes you would have a much better world if that was implemented but the reason why people shit on Dianetics or they shit on Scientology is because psychiatry and the drug industries mm-hmm. have won the lobbyists and they're exactly. always smearing, they're always smearing on uh, Ron Hubbard and his books because he doesn't sell drugs. He doesn't believe in drugs. Yeah. And it's like me, dude, I go to the jungle and I fast every year. Well, guess what? Fasting gets shit on all the time because the drug companies that own the media and own the food and own everything, they shit on fasting oh, for sure. and they say fasting is no good. You know, Hubbard with his drug free therapies, no good. Um, and that's, that's unfortunately propaganda. And if people are, are eating up the propaganda, that's too bad for them because there's a lot of good shit. Actually, you know what, when something's banned or mm-hmm. when something is, when people are attacking something, that's usually means it's good and you should go check it out. That's yep. usually a sign. Like, you know, I, I, I had cancer last year and I went to Mexico and I got these banned drugs called vitamin B17. And uh, I, I said to my girlfriend at the time, I was like, yeah, I'm going to Mexico to get these banned drugs. She's like, oh, they're banned. That means they work. <laughs> and it's true, man. Yeah, They do work. I beat cancer that year. You know, there was, wow. there. Yeah. I came back and from fasting and B17, cancer was gone. So, you know, like that's that's something to think about is if people are, saying something's no good if they're attacking it if they're saying it's it's bad you should look into it and peek into it and my guess is probably a really good thing that uh people are just ruining because there's some propaganda there to keep them out of it b17 by the way is about 200 bucks a year to treat cancer and chemotherapy is 125,000 a year wow yeah so you can do the math on that you know, uh, Dianetics to fix someone's mind is, I don't know, probably a couple thousand bucks for somebody to go and fix uh, their mind on psychiatry. You're going to be on drugs for life. They're going to put you on every psycho drug forever and you'll be fucked up and never, never fix yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You actually won't fix yourself. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. never going to be fixed, man. Yeah. So, yeah. so dude, the band stuff, the band stuff, I got banned books too. I was going to, I was going to throw down a banned book. But I, I got a banned book here on my shelf I just read last week. One of the best books I ever read. It's banned. You can't even get it. So, like, you know, if you're reading banned books or you're getting the banned this, banned that, that's the good stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, good. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page as, as that. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I hadn't heard – I hadn't really discovered anyone else who had read L. Ron Hubbard's books and taking them seriously. And, and I think, I think you should, I think that there's a lot of wisdom in there. You don't have to believe the whole of Scientology to get the benefits of, of the, of what he says in the books. Well, dude, I mean, you know, you can read Karl Marx, you can read Adolf Hitler's book, you can read anybody's book, you know, just because you read their book doesn't mean that you are that guy. You're just, you're just reading the information, dude. I mean, what, here's one thing I love is you read it and you decide for yourself exactly yeah right that's 100%. that's what that's a freedom of being a human being is you read it you decide for yourself that's all you can do 
Yep. A hundred percent. Yep. All right. Well, um, well, thank you for joining me and taking, taking, you know, time out of your busy day here and, and hopefully we can get, uh, like I said, guys pick up the book, you know, hard times, great strong men. Uh, I, I believe that you will, you'll find it uh, very useful in today's society, especially. And, uh, and yeah, anything else you want them to, to go visit or, yeah, man, pick up the hard times, create strong men, follow me on social media at hmm. Stefan Arneo. You know, if you want to, if you want to hear about real estate, my company called black card and we train people all over the world uh, who want to be serious about it. So yeah, black card, uh, Stefan Arneo, hard times, strong men. Appreciate having you, John. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks a lot.